Uh, hi everyone, it's great to see you guys tonight. Um, yeah, my name's Tim, I'm one of the pastors here as well, and it's really great, it's great to just be together, it's great to have a nice big group of us, and just to hang out and worship God. Um, I'm just going to give a talk for about, about half an hour, so I'll try not to go too long, um, from the Bible, and, and I'm going to try today and, and link it in a little bit to some things around leadership. It sounds awesome what you guys have done. Um, when I was 15, I went on a camp for a month at, at Grace, um, and it, it really did change my life as well. It was a, it was a time when I really grew up. Um, I did some things that I was really afraid of, especially to do with heights, um, and just needing to look after yourself for a month and needing, needing to like cook and clean. I actually got called Housewife Tim, because I did, <laughs> so I did other people's cooking and cleaning for them, so <laughs> it was probably a mistake. But, um, I, I love that time. It was an awesome time. And I think, yeah, going away, especially going away and having solo or just solitude, even what you guys have done, some of you, and spent three days by yourself is awesome. And, and I think, particularly in our culture, when we're just always around people, always around TV, always around something, to spend time with, in solitude, just by yourself, not doing anything, is actually a really powerful spiritual practice. It's actually a powerful way to recenter and connect with God. So to do that for three days would be very, very powerful. So that's an awesome and, and very hard. There's some amazing things some of you guys have done, which is cool. So we're going to talk through, we're actually in a series. So we've been doing a series talking about transition. So we've had a fair bit of change just happen in our church community here recently. So we're talking about what does it look like to go through change? What does it look like to, to feel this kind of uncertainty of not knowing what the future might look like, of, of things being different to how they used to be, but also this sense of even excitement of what could a new season look like, what could a new journey look like, um, what does it mean to go through transition? And as we've been doing that, we've just been going through the book of Colossians, which is this letter that a guy named Paul, who, who met Jesus, he wrote this letter to a church at this place called Colossae, that's why it's called Colossians. And it's this little letter in the New Testament, it's, it's really easy to read, it's really beautiful. And, and Paul is actually writing this letter from prison. He's in prison, yet he's, and he hasn't actually met the people that he's writing to. He's heard about them, he's heard that they've known about Jesus, he's heard that there's this community of people that love Jesus and believe Jesus and, and know Jesus' power in their life. And Paul's in this prison, and he's really caring for them, and he's loving them, and he wants to write them this letter. And he starts this letter and he just thanks God for them. And he's just, he's just praying for them, saying, I thank God for you, I'm praying for you all the time. And then he just starts telling them about how great Jesus is. That Jesus is actually the creator. That Jesus actually made everything. That he came to earth and he died on the cross. And now he's risen and he's recreating everything. Because there's this brokenness and evil in the world. And Jesus is actually the one over it all. And Paul paints this amazing picture of Jesus. He then says that he's in this battle for this church. That there's, he's struggling, he's, he's fighting, yet it's actually God who's working in him and fighting with him as well as this battle that's going on. And then he starts to talk about the fact there's all this opposition that this church is facing. People are trying to pull them away from Jesus. And Paul wants them to be strong and know who they are in Christ. And this is where we finished last week. We were talking about, well, who are we? If we've believed in Jesus, if we're part of, therefore, we're part of the church, the church is like the gathered people of God. So even though we might come from different churches today, there's one church, there's one body, and we're united if we believe in Jesus. And, and who are we? And Paul addresses this. And we said last week, the way that we know who we are is based on the cross. 
Sometimes we can think of ourselves as like we're really, really important. But on the cross, we actually realize actually we're worse than we thought. Actually, we have done evil and sin. Actually, we are broken that Jesus had to die to save us. But sometimes as well, we can think of ourselves as terrible and, and we're just worthless and we're not worth anything, we're not good. But on the cross, we realize actually we are loved more than we could ever imagine. That though we are worse than we ever thought, we are loved more than we could ever dream because God will send His Son to die for us. And that's where we finished last week. Who are we? We are Christ. We have this one big family. We are free because of the cross. Where we want to go today, I'm going to try and tie this in again to some principles around leadership. It's Colossians chapter 3. And we're thinking, well now, what are we to do? If we believe Jesus, if we're part of his family, what are we then to do? How are we to live? And there's a whole lot of answers to this question. We're going to go through three Quickly, three answers to this question from this passage in Colossians, and I'm going to try and bring it all together and give you one really big principle around what Paul's trying to say. So this is this is God's word we're going to read. It's this 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 man Paul wrote it, but the Holy Spirit of God was working as he was writing it. So we're going to read through Colossians 3 and give some points as we go. So I might even just pray and then we'll have a look at this together. So Father, thank you that we can gather. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that we all have different journeys and different stories, and you've been at work in all of them. In the difficulty, in the pain, you've been there, you've been working. And we just ask, God, that you would work in us tonight, and that you would meet us tonight, and would you just speak into each heart here tonight that they need to hear. And Jesus, would you help us to see you, help us to see you as you really are, help us to see you like Paul saw you when he was writing and help us to love you and pray in your name. Amen. Cool, so let's read. This is Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I'll give you a few comments just on this as we go through. Paul's saying that Jesus came to die on the cross. And actually, he died as our representative. And in this mysterious way, we died with him. We were connected to him. And we have died. And actually, we have new life in him. When someone puts their, their faith in Jesus and says, I believe him, I trust him, we show that in baptism. You, you, get, you go under the water and you come back up. That shows symbolizes Actually, we're being connected to Jesus' death and to his new life. And actually, Jesus is alive. And Jesus is in heaven. And actually, he is actually the true ruler of the world. The true reality is not seen, but the true reality is the realm of heaven, the realm where God reigns, and Jesus is at the right hand of God. He's there. Therefore, Paul says, set your minds on things above, on that reality, not on earthly things. Again, this doesn't, when you think of heaven in this way, don't think of just like clouds and singing and just like a faraway place up in the sky. That's not what this means. And when it says earth, don't think of like physical things like, like a car or like physical body. That's not what he means. When he's saying set your minds on things above, he means the things of the heavens. And heaven fundamentally is the place where God's will is done. Heaven is not just you can do whatever you want and just sort of indulge all, all, your, all your desires. It's actually when everything is done the way that God wants it to be done, that's heaven because God is perfect and God's will is perfect and He's this perfect God of love and justice and heaven is the realm where His will is done and Jesus is there. And the things of earth 
are actually the things that oppose God in this passage. We're going to, as we go through this, become more clear. There's, there's some descriptions of these. He's not saying, don't ever think about physical things. He's saying, the things that are opposed to God, the things that are broken in this earth, don't set your mind there. Let's set your mind on things above. He keeps going. He says this, For you died, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It's this idea, right, that there's actually some a hiddenness. If we believe Jesus, there's a hiddenness. In the same way Jesus is alive, but he's still hidden. But one day he will be fully revealed. One day Jesus will come back. And actually, Paul, who's writing this letter up, is this guy who's in a Roman prison writing a letter. People probably think he's just a nobody. He's, he's failed. He used to be high up in Judaism, and now nobody cares about Paul. He's just this, this guy who's in a prison. But one day it will be revealed that Paul was actually the servant of Christ, the Most High God. When Christ is revealed, Paul's true life will be revealed. And same for us. That, that sometimes we think, well, we're just this little church in Kalinga. Right, well maybe we're just, we're just people who just go about our day-to-day life. But the truth is, if we believe Jesus, we are citizens of heaven. Our life is hidden with Christ. And when Christ comes, it will be revealed who we truly are, sons and daughters of the Most High God. There's this reality there that's hidden, that we will reveal. But what Paul says to them is focus on that reality. Focus on things above. Focus on the, the, the fact that Jesus is alive and his kingdom is coming back. You might be sort of thinking, well, that just kind of doesn't sound really right. It kind of just sounds like, well, we just sit around and just wait till Jesus comes back or wait till heaven. Shouldn't we get to work and do some stuff? There's this great quote by C.S. Lewis, and he says, actually, it's the opposite. Actually, when you focus on the true reality of Christ, it actually helps us and empowers us to bring his kingdom to earth. Now, this is what C.S. Lewis said. It's a great quote. He said this. If you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next, like the kingdom, the next age. The apostles themselves who set foot on the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. These people were focused on, actually, this is not God's will. This is not in line with heaven. One day, everything's going to be renewed, and all this, this stuff, like slave trade, is not going to be here. We should get rid of it now. He keeps going. He said, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven, and you get the earth thrown in. Aim at the earth, and you get neither. Again, these things go together. Even in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray. This is the thing we pray regularly. Jesus says we pray, Your will be done. Um, I know, I've lost my place now. Stuff and stuff. Our Father out in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This idea of heaven coming to earth. And the end of the story, the end of the story of the Bible is actually not that everyone disappears into the clouds to heaven. The end of the story of the Bible is actually heaven comes to earth. The whole earth is renewed. There's a new heavens and a new earth and a new creation, and God makes all things new and removes all evil. And Paul's actually saying to focus on that reality, and it actually makes us more effective now. And, and this is this. There's still pain, and there's still sorrow, and there's still sadness that we don't deny now. 
but we focus on things above. And I just skip that one. Paul said this as well another time. He said, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we focus on things above. This is really important in a time of transition. Remember when the, the uncertainty, maybe I'll know what things are going to look like. But we focus on what we do know will happen, that the kingdom will come. This is incredibly important in leadership as well. This is cultivating hope. Actually being able to see what is unseen. Actually being able to hold on to this reality that's not being made yet and actually pull other people into it. There's this quote I found just this afternoon by Martin Luther King who, who, who did this, right? He's this amazing Christian leader who has this vision of the kingdom of God and did amazing things, even died in the process. And he said this, we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. And particularly as a leader, right? There will be times when you try something and it fails and it's disappointment. And actually part of it is accepting that but not losing infinite hope. And especially as Christians, we can do that because we have infinite hope. Jesus is alive, he's there, he's reigning, and we're to focus on things above. And this is actually a choice to deliberately seek and set our mind on those things. Because it's so easy instead to just be consumed with the things of day-to-day life or the problems or the brokenness and just want to fix it. But actually, when we focus on the true reality, helps a lot more. So we're going to keep going. Paul then starts to talk, well, if, if it's true that Jesus is alive and this true reality of the kingdom of heaven is coming, what are we to do with the parts of ourselves that are, that are not in line with that? And you guys on the camp, on oh no, the course, um, even, <laughs> even we're talking about this, right? Like on this time away, you started to even notice things about yourself that you didn't like. And sometimes that happens, right? Particularly in community. And, and it's actually a blessing of community. Actually, when you have to force to be with other people, it reveals to you where you're really at and what you really like. And then you say, well, we don't like community. But actually, community was the gift that showed us what we were like so we can change. And Paul, in the same way, starts to talk about the things in us that are not compatible with God. This, this new reality, what God is doing. And he says, this is what we are to do. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, so again, he's using earthly in the light of things that are broken, things that are opposed to God, not, not things physical. Sexual immorality, so, so sex used in the wrong way outside of marriage. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So this, there's, there's lots of things, right, that are not compatible with God. And, and, and again, not in the sense that we can't have a relationship with him, but that it's, it's not, we're, we're not becoming like that, we're not going that direction. Those things actually lead to death. And because of being forgiven and we're in this relationship with God, we're to put those things to death and follow Him. Again, this is not saying that desire is wrong. This is not saying that sexual desire is wrong or desire for things is wrong. But when it's misplaced, when it's out of God's will, when it becomes a consuming thing, which is idolatry, when we worship something that God has given us instead of worshiping God and using what He's given us to glorify Him. He says this, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. This, some, some texts as well add, is coming on the sons of disobedience. This idea that God one day will actually remove all evil. God will actually come and set everything straight. And actually these, 
things, therefore, that are not compatible with him, that are evil, we're actually to get rid of from our lives, to die to. He says to the Colossians, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. They used to just do these things all the time. But now they've come to Christ. Therefore, he says, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. This is all about speech now and how we talk. And it's, in a sense, he's saying, like, in heaven, people don't talk like that. Right? People don't talk at people with anger and rage. People don't slander each other in heaven. People don't use filthy language. People don't lie. And that's the true reality where everything's heading. So stop it now. So get rid of it now. That's not where Jesus, where Jesus is in Jesus' life. Is, that's not what he does. So put it off. He says, since you've taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, Again, we've died with Christ. There's a new life, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. That actually what God is doing, we come to him. It's not just that we're forgiven. We are forgiven. But he's actually transforming us to be fully human again. How we were intended to be, like Jesus, his image bearer. We actually reflect this God of love. Therefore, we put to death he then says that this community here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. That probably sounds really weird, right? But like, basically think of all different groups of people, different nationalities, different generations, different tastes of music, different whatever. Whatever people divide over, whatever people fight over, whatever people say, we're not like them, they're our enemies. Because of Jesus, Jesus has broken down all those barriers. And now in him, he's made this new community, made up of people that are really, really different, but love each other, because they have Jesus in common. He says, Christ is all, and in all. Now imagine, right, in that community, there'd be a lot of people that offend each other, and don't understand each other. Again, like when you're on a course, and you're away, and you, you, you have to work with other people, there'd be a lot of times when you upset each other, and you have to work through conflict. But there's this unity in the midst of it that actually we're together in Jesus. So what are we to do? We're to die to things below. Actually, to, when we notice things about ourselves that are not in line with God's will, to not say, oh, well, it just doesn't really matter. It's okay. On the one hand, it is right. On the one hand, we are forgiven and we're in this relationship with God. But because of that, it's not okay. Not, we don't just say, it's, it doesn't really matter. We say, no, it's, we don't want to tolerate this. We're going to die to it and let God's life, true life, the life of heaven, flood our hearts. We don't live in the things that are the way of death, but instead the way of life. This is what one author says about this. He says, as we give up what we wrongly depended on to maintain our sense of well-being, we're dying to death. So those things are the things of death. Even though they might be pleasurable, even though they might be things that we've done in the past, it leads to death. But it seems like we're dying to life. To let go of some of those things feels like death. Because it's how we lived before we knew God. Before, before coming to know Jesus, people live trusting themselves, right? That's what we're taught. We're taught, look after yourself, protect yourself, make your life work. If, if anything's going to happen, it's because you do it. You need to work hard. And there's some truth in that, right? But the reality is, 
We were not created to make our life work, to look after ourselves, to be independent, to trust ourselves. We were created to trust God. We were created to live in this relationship of full dependence on God, enjoying Him as fully sufficient. And there's still an we have this free will that we can still make choices, but it's not that we have to do it all ourselves. It's that we trust Him as our dad and walk through life. So to stop doing that feels like death, but it's actually moving towards life. He says this, we're instructed to die to the flesh. Flesh means things that are kind of opposed to God, or that, that kind of rebellious, I just want to do things my way rather than trusting God. He says to identify, despise, confess, and resist whatever urges are in us that direct us to something or someone other than Christ for the experience of life. And again, in community, in transition, in difficult times, when you're just away in close quarters with people, your flesh, right, the things that are part of us that actually are not like Jesus, come out. And it can actually be a good thing. It's painful. But it can be good because then we can identify and then we despise. And we say, actually, that is not good. I don't want to live like that. And actually, a big part of that is to confess, to confess it to God. Say, actually, God, I, I'm struggling with this. I don't like this. And actually, even to confess it to others. That actually, just by telling somebody else can break the power of something so well. Can bring something into the light. And then to resist these urges. Because they, they, they feel like this is life, but it's not. It actually leads to death. And actually we're to live in this dependence and trust in Christ. And again, what we're talking about, this diet of things below, is not this easy thing. Um, this is a continual growing as, as we grow as followers of Jesus. We continue to do this and other things are revealed. And but it's this trajectory right, of dying and trusting Jesus, of, of repenting, of means turning away and believing and trusting Him again. And it's done in a community. It's done together. And again, I was thinking this morning around this, and, and sometimes, right, we, we, we sometimes in churches or just around the place, you don't realize that everyone is in a battle to know God, to actually have a good relationship with God, to do this, to walk with Him, to trust Him, to love each other. It's a battle, right? It's not easy. But sometimes... We kind of just give out easy answers. And we say, well, just read your Bible or just pray. And that, that, those are things we must do. And they, they, they help. We kind of just, it's almost like handing out a band-aid when someone's got a gushing wound. And then we start to think, well, actually, maybe that's not really where the battle is. Maybe I just need to go and do something else and fix my other problems. Maybe that's not my fundamental problem. But the truth is our fundamental need is a right relationship with God. And actually, to be a community to be a group of friends, to be a place where people can open up and confess, I am struggling with this. This is actually impacting me. This is, this is not helping my relationship with God. Actually journey and battle together and actually enter each other's battles and the fight to know and trust God well. So we're to focus on things above and to die to things below. He keeps going then and, and talks a little bit more about what we are to do. And there's some beautiful words here that Paul says. He says that, this, therefore, as God's chosen people, this is, this is what God is doing. He's creating a church of chosen people, holy, and then set apart, these special people, dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion. To put on compassion. 
kindness. So compassion is feeling for each other, the sensitivity. Kindness is, is treating each other kindly. Humility, this is where we see ourselves, where we see each other. Gentleness, where we interact. Patience, which is definitely needed when we're around people that are different to us. He says, bear with each other. Forgive one another. If anyone of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And again, when you're in community, when you're in the course, when you're away, and people argue, there's a need to forgive, right? And again, the church is to be this community that is flooded with forgiveness. There's forgiveness all the time. Again, the Lord's Prayer to pray, if we pray this daily, God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Continual forgiveness again and again because that's what God has done for us. And then he says, and over all these virtues, all those beautiful things, the ultimate one, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What Paul's saying is that we are to, because of Jesus, because of who we are in him, we are to dress ourselves appropriately. You guys know when you're going somewhere, you need to get dressed appropriately for where you're going or for the occasion. If you're going to a wedding, you need to wear different things to when you go to the beach. All right? But if you're going to a new job, you need to dress well, matching the, the style of the job. Matt Tudor knows that well. And you need to dress appropriately. And what Paul is saying is that the appropriate clothes to wear for people who have been brought into a relationship with God through Christ are the clothes of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing each other, forgiveness, and ultimately the, the big jacket that goes on everything is love. Dress ourselves appropriately. And I think that is just key. Any leader needs those things. And I think as some of you guys were saying as you are talking before, right, that, that leadership is about service. That Jesus demonstrated this in love, ultimately by sacrificing himself for us. And that's what this kind of love is. Not just a feeling nice for each other love. There is a feeling aspect, but it's actually an other focus, giving for the sake of another love. There's this beautiful passage that, that describes this. Paul says it this way, love is patient. It's a wait. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. See, it's not about self. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. That's like God. God is not easily angered. God is slow to anger. Love is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's to be our dress code, right? For those who come to trust Jesus, for those who are in his family, we're to wear those clothes. So what are we to do? To focus on things above, deliberately set our mind on things of heaven, of God's will, God's reign, Jesus at the right hand. Die to things below. The things that are not compatible with that, die to them. Put them off. And put on, dress ourselves appropriately with things that do match the realm of heaven, right? Love, compassion, grace, humility. That's what heaven is going to be like. 
So what is Paul ultimately saying? Right, if we could just pull all this down into one thing. Like I said, last week we were talking about the cross. And who we are, the way to know who we are is the cross. We are worse than we ever thought, but more loved than we could ever imagine. What he's saying this week, what I think is coming through this week, is the thing we are to do is live in the reality of Jesus' resurrection life. See, these things that he's describing are not primarily things that we do by trying hard. It's not that we just work with help, although there is an aspect of work. But what it actually is, is to realize that Jesus is alive. He's present. And actually, when we come to trust in him, it's not just that we're forgiven, but we trust in him for our life and transformation and actually live by his presence and by his power. That his power, like Josh was saying before, his spirit actually lives in us. And actually we can live by his power and his presence. And when this happens, our community that's centered around this, it looks like this, this passage keeps going, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This idea of this community of diversity and difference characterized by peace. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. But the message of Christ this, this teaching, this reminding us who Jesus is, dwell among you richly, the riches of this teaching. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We get to do more of that soon. Sing to Jesus, thanking Him for who He is. And then this amazing line, this passage finishes, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That actually Jesus is the one who made everything. God made the world through Jesus. He has come to rescue us and to free us and to recreate us, and He's given us new life. And actually anything that we enjoy that is good, that actually is in line with God's will, we can do in thankfulness to Jesus because He has given it to us. Right? When you go on a course, it's because of Jesus. When we play tennis, it's because of Jesus. When we go to our jobs, it's because of Jesus. He's the one that holds it all together. He's the one that's given it to us, and we do it all through Him and for Him in thankfulness. He actually encompasses all of life, not just church, not just spiritual things, physical things. All things are summed up in Christ. And actually, to live this reality is to realize that He's alive. To actually walk with Him, trust Him, know His power and His presence. And I'll just finish with one quote around this, and then, then we're going to take communion. We'll read this out. And it says, The world is perishing for lack of knowledge of God, who He is. And the church is famished for want of His presence. The instant cure for most of our religious ills most of our problems in life, right, would be to enter the presence of Jesus in spiritual experience, to become suddenly aware that we are in God and that God is in us. That actually what we are to do is live lives present with Jesus. Knowing that He is here. He is alive. He is powerful. He is risen from the dead. He is given new life. He can change impossible circumstances and he will one day recreate the whole world. This is the risen Jesus to focus on things above, die to things below, dress appropriately, live and dwell in his presence. 
So we're going we're gonna to just enjoy that and, and, and enter into that more as we take communion. The way we do this here is um, if, if you uh, believe Jesus, if, if you're a follower of Christ, we welcome you to come and participate in communion. And there's some tables down the front. There's one table at the back. And you just come and grab a biscuit that represents Jesus' body. You might even like to break it because Jesus' body was broken. And we just dip it into the juice representing his blood. And then you can take it or take it back to your seat and take it. And as we do that, realize the, symbol, the symbolism that this is what we center around. That the church is centered around this table where Jesus died, his body was broken, his blood was shed. But then we take this food and eat it because he is our life. He is alive. Jesus is life. Jesus is at the center of everything. And as we do that, we come back. And as we do that, sometimes we may confess. We might say, God, I'm not being following your ways or trusting with you and I need forgiveness. And sometimes we may just come in thankfulness and, and worship and enter into that. So I just encourage you if, if you, if you believe Jesus, to come and, and enjoy that. If you're regular here as well, we do have communion bags and offering bags and we do have giving online as well. Sometimes we do take up an offering around this time. As well, and if this is all really new to you as well, or if, or if God is speaking to you tonight, if you're hearing about Jesus and you're starting to think, actually, I think I believe that. Actually, I don't think I believe he's actually alive. That he died for you. You can put your faith in him and enter this relationship with him just through believing him. We trust in him. Give our lives to him. And maybe that's even you tonight. Maybe God is doing something in your heart and calling you to himself, revealing himself to you. I just encourage you to listen to follow him, to trust him. And if you'd like to talk any more about that, I'd love to talk to you after. Josh would love to talk to you after or anyone else around here as well. So I might invite the band up and then I'll, then I'll pray and then and we'll take communion to <laughs> Jesus, we just thank you for who you are and that, that you are our God, that you have come to rescue and redeem and that you are alive. Thank you for your presence. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, would you even come now and just fill us with your presence. Make us aware that you are here. And God, would you meet us just as we take the, 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 the biscuit, the juice, the bread and the wine, and just remember who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. You're a God of compassion and grace. You're a God of mercy. We come to you not because we're good enough, not because we've done the right thing, but because you're merciful. We have nothing to offer you, but you give us everything. <coughs> so, Father, would you come and just meet us tonight? Would you come and do a work in our hearts? We just pray this in your name. Amen. <laughs>